Um, hi everybody and welcome to ANZ's Agri in Focus for February 2022 and it sort of feels like the years are getting away from us already doesn't it? Um, starting to even think about the autumn break and um, how general and timely and strong it may or may not be so uh, how time flies. Um, there's a bit of reflection uh, I think to be had on a great couple of years uh, in a point of in, in in production anyway within the Australian agri context there is always a few spots that have missed out but it's been so good to see the rebound in um, production and and fortune in farming following a couple of years and beyond of some really extreme and long-lived drought conditions um, we've seen a much wetter summer up north and uh, that's been welcome as well and we hope that that translates into a, a normalised pattern of, of autumn weather as well for us in the southern half of the country. Um, but season combined with still very high overall commodity prices, um, still a very resilient sector in the face of all the COVID interruptions and the supply chain interruptions that we've seen uh, and continue to experience. And, and it's definitely taking gloss off and in pockets it's worse, of course, than other areas and labour probably been the continuing dilemma um, for our, our fresh produce um, industry in particular, but, but also we're seeing those issues of um, interruption through um, our meat processing industries as well. Um, we've still got um, some market access issues, the tariff imposts and, and market imposts uh, in getting to China in the way that we'd been used to. But overall, a really great redirection of trade that's left um, us producing a lot of a lot of product that is highly sought in a in a world that's generally undersupplied, uh, and um, profitability uh, is really strong in farming as a result of that. And the, and the season is everything. And if we can keep getting seasons that roughly go along with that, things are looking so good. Um, but it's not to say that there mightn't be some headwinds in all of this. And probably, look, as long as everything's really high, I guess there's more room for, for things to go wrong or to come off that high. But we're probably getting closer and are experiencing some cost pressures that we hadn't seen for a little while. So access and cost of, of fertiliser and chemical will be uh, something that confronts a lot of our winter um, cropping um, and grazing programs as we get in towards the middle of 2022. Um, and interest rates are also a, a big factor as well. They've been very low. They continue. They have continued to fall um, and stabilise at a historic low level uh, for what has been a very long run. And I think um, not just managing debt for, for the sake of um, larger capital purchases, but even even carrying debt um, against um, inventory build and things like that has been at a pretty low cost and lower than we've seen in the past. And as that cost pressure, you know, possibly rises again in the shorter medium term now, rather than in the longer term, um, that might change some people's thinking and the economics that go with all of that. And um, of course, the more debt you have, uh, the higher your cost is going to be as those um, interest rates rise. So something to really look out for, I think, and um, and it's a good chance to just reconsider business efficiencies, 
um, get all the planning and preparation in place, um, hope for the best and, and plan for a poorer outcome. And with that, um, the season being anything close to normal, I think still means that farming and profitability in farming can be uh, a really great thing through another season. So let's just see what we get. But it's hard to imagine things being a whole lot um, any better than, than what we've been experiencing. So uh, let's hope um, that COVID doesn't represent itself in any way that's more imposing than it is at the moment. Um, the optimist would say that um, the regulatory settings and the impact should lessen as the year goes on, and that would spell better things for a, a smoother global trade environment as well, which would um, which would really start to top things off. So looking forward to a great year. I hope to be out in the countryside a bit more this year, and I'm sure our team um, is out there really keen to be working with um, the industry to to create some great outcomes for this year as well. So, so as we look forward to a, a great year in, in agribusiness in Australia this year, of course, the, the strength or, or otherwise of our economy uh, will be very important to us as well. And to consider that, I'm welcoming Adelaide Timbrell. Thanks, Adelaide. Thank you, Mark. So right, when we look at the economy, um, we saw a really strong end to 2021, which will provide a good foundation both for businesses and households in 2022. We saw the unemployment rate fall to 4.2%, um, uh, underutilisation, so the amount of people who were unemployed or didn't work uh, as many hours as they needed was also uh, a lot lower than it has been in the last 13 years. We had strong spending at the end of the year. We had strong housing market activity, people borrowing money and uh, getting, you know, housing building approvals going. And we also had some pretty strong inflation and it actually accelerated to its highest rate since late 2008. So everything was really running up um, pre Omicron, uh, and although, of course, Omicron does have its own uh, economic impacts, we don't expect it to derail economic growth in 2022. So we're actually expecting um, growth of over 5% this year in GDP, uh, even knowing that Omicron is going to be an ongoing issue. We've seen it's affected uh, consumer confidence, it affected household spending with people staying at home and staff shortages as well, but we're already actually seeing improvements out of both of those measures and ANZ job ads, which is a, a great way to understand, you know, how um, the risk appetite of businesses is going, fell only very, very slightly in January. And that was after so many jobs being filled in late 2021. So all looking like really strong momentum. And so because of that strong momentum, we will see an increase in interest rates. So um, the Reserve Bank has been saying a lot that it'll be patient. We expect wages growth to accelerate through 2022, though, and kind of force their hand for a cash rate hike in September. And once that starts, it's going to keep going relatively quickly. We expect the cash rate to get up to 2% by the end of next year. Right now, it's 0.1%. So that's a pretty big change. We may even see it go above three in the medium term. That's happening in 
other countries as well. Um, so because it is happening in other countries, we expect five rate hikes in the US, for example. This means that even though interest rates are going up, we won't see the Australian dollar appreciate too much. So we are expecting the Australian dollar to come up to about 75 cents USD by the end of the year. Um, and if we weren't seeing tightening globally and we were doing rate hikes and other people weren't, we would see that go higher. Usually we look to commodities for the Australian dollar, but this time it's really about those central bank dynamics. And that's going to keep the Australian dollar at bay and not close to parity, which it might be in other situations where we saw increased interest rates and strong commodities demand. Um, so really, when we look at it all, you know, in summary, really strong foundations coming into 2022. We've got some rate hikes looming, but people did save a lot of money um, in the last couple of years with uh, government spending and also with that lack of ability to spend money in some cases. So we should be able to weather that fine. And we're also expecting some wage growth and some demand growth to offset some of the negative impacts of these forward-looking data as well. Thanks. Well, thinking global grain at the moment, we've got Michael Whitehead to consider the outlook. Uh, over to you, please, Michael. Thanks, Mark. It's a, a terrific time, as you say, for most agricultural commodities, um, not the least grains for Australian producers after the record harvest. We'll get to that later on. But what we've looked at in detail in this publication is the global grain outlook over the, well, the global grain data over the last 20 years, um, what we can extract from analysing it and what that might mean going forward. Let's sum up some of the things that we found uh, when we've crunched a lot of these numbers. The first one is the whole issue of stock to use ratios. Now, basically everybody in the grain industry knows that this means the amount of grain that a country or the world has in storage compared to how much it normally uses. And what we've been seeing for the last few years is the top of a rise in stocks to use ratios, the amount of grain the world has in storage, um, gradually going up and up since about 2006, 2007, when the world really started to panic that it didn't have enough grain in storage. And we saw political instability at the time. We saw prices go to record levels. Now we're really seeing countries look at what their self-sufficiency programs are and making sure they have enough there. Uh, some of the volatility and politics we're seeing at the moment between different countries and trade routes means that a lot of countries want to make sure they have enough grain in storage. So for things like uh, rice particularly, for things like wheat, uh, for corn as well, countries keeping a lot of this in storage. What does this mean for grains industries? It means that countries will continue to buy relatively strongly because they want to make sure they have good reserves. They'll particularly continue to buy uh, rice and wheat as well, and to a degree corn, both to feed their citizens and to feed their animals. Uh, and because whilst these are commodities that can be stored but are perishable to a degree, they'll have to keep topping this up. One thing to watch will be that China has a very large percentage of these end stocks. So whilst China will surge into the market at times to top them up, once these are topped up by China, we might see China occasionally pull out of the market to a degree, which could see some downward pressure on prices. But stocks to use ratios, a really big one to watch and one that's been going up for 15 years and one likely to stay high for a while. 
In terms of imports, one of the things we have to go back to is uh, where China sits as a percentage of global imports as well. If we look across the main grains and oilseeds, barley, corn, canola, soybeans, wheat, oats and rice particularly, China may dominate in terms of soybeans, takes uh, uh, almost 60 to 70% of the world's soybeans and imports. So it means that the soybean market, which doesn't matter that much to Australia, really relies on China. The others, interestingly, we have to note China is not a major global player in terms of concentration risk. Certainly, China buys a reasonable degree of barley and a reasonable degree of the world's uh, wheat as well. Uh, but it's it's below 30%, often below 20 down to 10%. So it really shows continually that uh, countries that are exporting these commodities, and particularly Australia, have a good spread of markets and it reduces that concentration risk. The last thing to look at, uh, and we did look at many things in this chapter, is for Australian producers, the percentage of our major crops which are exported. Um, and there really is a gap between the top three and the ones at the bottom. We continue to rely on exports for canola particularly, uh, for our barley and for our wheat. It's almost unsurprising. They sit at around between 70 and almost 90% of everything we produce gets exported. So we are reliant on our major imports from the rest of the world and we really are impacted by what happens with other producers. If we look at the other end, though, our oats, and we can never forget oats as being a market, uh, and our smaller corn and soybean crops, really domestically used as well. So uh, those major three will continue to be impacted by what's happening in the rest of the world, and we'll talk about that more in the grain chapter coming up soon. Well, the beef industry continues to be particularly exciting uh, with prices remaining high. Michael, is this something we can expect to continue? Thanks, Mark. As you say, will beef prices stay high? Uh, if we could put that in a nutshell, our prediction is yes, but likely to perhaps soften from the record peaks they've been at. As you said in the introduction to all commodities, it is one of the best seasons we've ever had. Things are in a great place and not the least for beef. After two years, uh, conditions continue to be great. Uh, the pasture is terrific around the country and things are even getting better. Some areas of North Queensland where the rain hadn't been in the past, that is now coming. Pasture is getting better. Uh, that will aid restocking there. Where do we see things going going forward into 2022? One of the reasons that prices might start to go down from their very high levels is because we've had such a great season of weaner sales through much of Australia through January. A lot of the farmers who would have been restocking really are at a strong level of capacity. So we might see restock our activity go down. Secondly, after two years of great season, great pasture, cattle in great condition, we could see very big calving rates. And if we look at the trend in the growth of the herd, as that herd continues to grow, it could even start to surge upwards, which means supply will really come onto the market and take away some of the stress of low supply that we'd seen as everybody had restocked over the past few years. So that could be a major point going forward. That will mean that restocking activity might start to go down, but because domestic demand for beef remains strong and particularly because global demand for Australian beef remains strong, we could see the feedlots particularly be active. 
we could see the processes being able to increase their activity and their capacity utilization because there is more supply on the market. So they will continue to be strong players in the market. So those factors all looking good and the weather forecast importantly looks good. Finally, looking offshore, um, global factors which may impact Australia. The US herd is declining. It's going into a structural decline that will mean less US beef on world markets, opportunities for Australia. Similarly, while South American beef uh, is in a reasonably strong position, question marks are always there over impacts potentially of BSE and other factors. And in terms of demand from the major markets, it continues to be strong. Korean demand, uh, one of Australia's major four markets, has gone up through uh, throughout the whole period of COVID, remaining strong uh, for the grain-fed demand, similarly with Japanese. Chinese demand remains strong, obviously some political issues there, and finally finishing with America and that demand both for hamburger meat for Australia and for our premium beef as well, looking good as well. So cattle industry may see some softening in prices, but everything looking good for a while. Well, we've seen a, another really big harvest, obviously interrupted by rain up and down the east coast. Uh, over to you, Michael, to please walk through how that result looks and um, what for our grains industry in the next little while. Thanks, Mark. Absolutely. The harvest was a record one, and not just on the East Coast, but those West Australian figures were unprecedented as well. It will come as no surprise to everybody that the records were broken in Australia, and records by regions, as we say, and nationally as well. If we worried, and if the Australian grain industry worried towards the end of the season that some of the weather at that time would have a major impact, the answer was that it didn't to the overall volumes. Where the impact did happen in some wheat growing regions was to do with quality. Uh, we saw that downgrading in quality from some wheat crops, uh, so therefore we saw a shift from volumes of milling wheat into feed wheat as well. That was interesting, and it will have impacted uh, certainly some producers in those regions to see that price gap open up between milling wheat, which continued to be in demand, but volumes going down, and feed wheat. But still certainly demand for feed wheat from the burgeoning feedlot sector in Australia as well. Where did the imports go? Well, whilst Indonesia has always been the major import market uh, and destination for Australian wheat, China stayed strong in the market for the time being, topping up its domestic reserves and looking to continue to keep feed coming in as its, uh, as its hog herd recovers, as it recovers from African swine fever. In terms of barley, and obviously we've seen the impacts on barley uh, really be short term from the Chinese tariffs, Saudi Arabia coming in to be the major market for Australian barley and barley ex exports remaining very strong. So looking forward, what could happen? We could see some impacts yet to be seen uh, from what may happen from farmers having to rethink their input strategies. High cost and availability of fertiliser, also availability of chemicals as well. May see some farmers making decisions where they either accept lower yields may come or where they change some of their acreage potentially to sheep and that could have an impact going forward. So will records be broken again next year? Ooh, you'd be putting slightly longer odds on it, but certainly the weather continues to look good. But uh, farmers having done well, grain producers may change their strategy. 
Finally, offshore impacts that we might see. The big issue, and we're all watching it day to day, is what the impact may be uh, from what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine. It is just worth remembering that last time that Russia and Ukraine were perhaps discussed and worried about in a major way in the global grain sector around seven or eight years ago, the impact on grain prices was very short term. The market continues to learn, and arguably Russia and the Ukraine realise how important that whole sector is to their exports. So it was uh, hardly impacted at all. The big issue at the moment, drought in South America may have some worries about supply, may keep prices up, and on prices, with the Australian dollar having gone down, that makes Australian grain all the more attractive to exporters. So with grain, as uh, as growers look towards what they'll sow, continuing to look positive for the year ahead. Okay, the sheep industries um, continue to be pretty strong. We've got meat prices. Um, look, are, are they off their, their highs? Are we struggling with yardings and, and supply still? Or are we growing the flock under improving pricing conditions? Over to Maddie to talk through sheep. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, if there's one word that can be used to sum up uh, the lamb and sheep markets at the moment, it's volatile. Uh, we had many weeks off there um, from the from sale yard sales um, as processes shut down as a result of COVID. Lack of lack of labour meant that no processing lines were up and running, and we returned after that that break to see. Uh, prices jump and then fall quite quickly again. Um, so most most particularly, that's that's come as uh, yardings have been have been particularly low. Many many farmers have kept their sheep in in the paddocks. Um, that's also as a result of good good season. But keeping them in the paddocks has meant that no one can really find a good base in the sale yard. It's also come as buyer activities being pretty tentative. So processors haven't really jumped in there and taken a whole bunch of demand. So Across the categories, restocker, restocker lambs are still performing relatively strongly compared to the other categories, but the merino and lighter lamb categories are quite weak. By state, WA is looking very strong um, compared to the other states. Now, that's particularly because a lot of stock came across the Nullarbor late last year, um, so WA has a low head number at the moment, so that means prices are doing quite well. South Australia, on the other hand, is performing a little bit weaker than most other states, so it's feeling that slump at the moment. So what are we looking at looking forward for the sale yard figures? Uh, we're looking at more lambs coming to hit the market quite soon uh, because, as I said, we've had a strong season and with strong growth, we, we, we're expecting uh, farmers to start clearing out their paddocks sometime soon. Um, it will also mean because they've been hold back that th those lambs will be heavier. Um, so we're expecting some pr downward price pressure on the, in the heavier weight categories. Um, so with all of that, um, we're not really expecting any large price spikes in the, in the near future. As it is, we're currently trading in and around the same level we were in 2021 and in 2020. So that seems to be about the right level for this time of year. So I'm not expecting huge amounts of, of, of up or down, of course, depending on what happens with COVID and the processes. One thing we also uh, look at in this paper is the export market. We talk a lot about the domestic market when it comes to sheep, um, but for the past few years, the export market really has been uh, backing up the strong prices quite significantly. So in a nutshell, there's really good, strong demand globally. Per head consumption is anticipated to go up. The FAO is saying that, that lamb consumption per capita will go up in, in contrast to beef, which is anticipated to go down. Um, and China demand is still strong. Where do we sit uh, as, a, as our, sheep, our national sheep prices compared to our major competitors? Um, essentially, we have usually traded at a bit of a premium to New Zealand, which has made us a little less cost competitive. 
But in recent in, in recent years, New Zealand land prices have gone through the roof, so now they're trading on par with us, which puts us in a pretty good uh, position globally. Our other major competitor, the UK and Europe, they've always traded quite higher. Uh, they've had quite higher prices than than us, primarily because their flock levels are quite small, so they're, they're more expensive to produce. But with the opening up of the uh, UK market to Australia under the free trade agreement, we're expected to see a lot more of our price competitive lamb flow there. So in, in summation, it looks, it looks like a good year, lots of sheep on the ground, lots of grass in the paddocks to feed them and a good, strong export opportunity going forward. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well wool is um, an important um, industry, obviously, within agri, and it's an important feature of overall sheep income. Mind you, um, meat has become more predominant in recent times, but at these prices, um, still a lot to look forward to, I think, notwithstanding uh, the tough period we've just been through. Maddie, what do we expect in wool in the next little while? Thanks, Mark. It's been a really good, solid start to 2022 for the Australian wool market. Now, that's based on a number of factors. Um, primarily the first driving factor is the fact that volumes are down. Farmers haven't been sending their wool to auction. They're keeping their bales in the shed, um, and that's meant that any buyer activity there is has been quite quite competitive for the wool that has been offered. Having said that, we've seen the Eastern Market Indicator uh, have five solid weeks of trading in the green um, to start off 2022. We're now sitting back at the high levels that we saw early in 2021 um, so that they're all all good good factors now but there are a few other underlying factors behind it all which which provide really positive signals as well uh, in part the wool price is being driven by the increase in prices substitutes so cotton is up oil is up that obviously drags that obviously drags wool up as well the Australian dollar is also a major factor. Um, as a huge exporter or a major exporter of wool, where the the price farmers receive is very much dictated by by um, the change in our exchange rate. Now, the depreciation of the dollar in recent in recent weeks and months has meant that the Australian wool price is is performing quite strongly as a result. Also behind it is that global demand is recovering back to normal back to normal levels. So it's winter right now in the, in the Northern Hemisphere. People are buying woolen suits. People are returning to the office uh, and wool demand is increasing as a result. And you can see that by strong buyer activity and demand for whatever wool is being offered. Behind that, however, we're also seeing strong production for, the, for this year and for the next year forecast. So um, it's being anticipated that the Australian sheep flock will head back up to 70 million this year. So that means a lot more wool in the sheds, a lot more wool at the auctions. So that will put a little bit of a down, downward pressure on prices. But in general, we, it looks all very strong for wool um, and, and all looks great looking forward. The other thing we do address in this report is looking at the cost of shearing. I know it's a bugbear and a major issue for a lot of, a lot of sheep producers at the moment mainly driven by the lack of labour supply coming um, coming from shearer shortages, New Zealand short, shearers returning home um, and, and so forth, which has put a lot of, lot of increased interest into shedding breeds. But looking, we've got some figures from the Australian, uh, Australian Bureau of Resource Economics, ABES, they're looking at the return, the cost of sheep, um, of sheep shearing and crutching um, as a percentage of total wool receipts. Now they're only 2020 data, so it's not the most recent data around, but it is showing that um, that the cost of shearing and crutching is sitting at about 20% of total wool clip. 
Um, uh, while that sounds quite high, it is down on it is lower than the, the biggest high in 2005 of 27%, but it is up on the 10-year average of about 18%. So we are definitely seeing the cost of sharing increasing, but it's not quite as bad as it has been in the past. Well, we've seen continuing strength in farm gate prices in dairy, and uh, no doubt um, our, our, our producers are uh, enjoying a return to profitability. It's been pretty good seasonal condition all round, and the global outlook's Looking pretty strong. Michael, what are the key factors in all of this? Thanks, Mark. Absolutely. Uh, as we've talked about with the other commodities, dairy, like the others, is in arguably a pretty good position right now. Um, a range of different figures, but let's have a look at why. Uh, in fact, uh, let's start by looking at the global side of things first before the Australian one, because it really does impact what's happening in Australia. Globally, production is by and large down across the world. Uh, production is certainly down in New Zealand, being impacted by a number of factors there, uh, whether regulatory and others. And that means that uh, New Zealand's supply onto the world market, and New Zealand being the world's largest exporter, may be down for uh, perhaps the medium term to come. Similarly, European production also down of milk and the other major global exporter, the US, while it was up marginally, um, about 1.4%, most of that will be consumed domestically. So there is tightness of supply of milk onto the world market. Australian production also down, but this means that as the world continues to recover from COVID disruptions, as consumers' diets have changed around the world and they look to become healthier and they look to consume more dairy products, and at the same time, their incomes go up in a lot of markets, which also aids more dairy products. Demand remains very strong. What has been the impact on price? It has been, if we take the global indicator, the global dairy trade, that prices are at their highest since 2014 for global dairy indicators. Demand strong, price is very good and continuing to go up as well. That is very good news for dairy farmers and the dairy farmers are seeing that at the farm gate with high prices. In terms of Australian production, well, for the fifth month in a row, year on year, Australian production has been down, but we needn't necessarily look at that as a bad thing. Dairy competes out there. It competes with beef for land. It competes with sheep for land. We're seeing farmers mix their strategies. We're seeing land being used for different things. Just because production of something goes down doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for the farmers there. And we can see this with the sheep industry in Australia over the last few years as well. So farm gate price is good. Demand good production down, uh, but not running down too quickly as well. Uh, looking forward, where do things go for the rest of the year? Assuming the season remains strong, assuming the rainfall remains good in a lot of the dairy areas, could be impacted by fertiliser prices to some degree, but still good pastures. If demand remains there, then it is, a, it is an optimistic outlook for the dairy industry heading into 2022. All right. Well, thank you all. I hope you've enjoyed our summary today. Thanks so much to Madeline Swan, Michael Whitehead and Adelaide Timbrell. Hope everyone enjoys the next two months of conditions and we look forward to talking to you all soon.